Well, good to have you guys here. Anybody online watching? Let's give a big shout out. Hey, they actually can hear you. There is a microphone picking your sound up as well. So uh, there, there you go. They hear that. <laughs> Amen. Hey, uh, last week I finished, if you missed any of our study on Ephesians, we finished it 10 weeks. It took us to get through that, but there's a lot. How many of you know I could have gone even longer? We are moving in. Uh, normally, I do preach series. I do that. But uh, today, we're uh, actually for the next three weeks, I'm doing what I call the one and done. So uh, today is a standalone message next week and the week after that. Uh, but I think you're going to get a lot out of that. And then we will be in December where we're going to be talking about Jesus as the light of the world. So I hope you guys are ready for that. I love that time, not just because, you know, we love Christmas, but because uh, the so, a lot more focus on Christ in that time of year than any other time, amen? So, well, today, let me just go ahead and get into this. Uh, I've entitled this message, The Great Pretender, and it's going to be a little bit different. If you have the notes, the bulletin, I do have more fill-ins than I normally have, but there's a reason. I do have an agenda that, I'm, that, that I feel like the Lord put on my heart, and, and it's hopefully to help you find some of the missing things that many Christians miss when it becomes a follower of Christ. Here's the thing. I want to start out with this. We all, we all want to be known for something, don't we? We want people to know us, whether, whether uh, you're still young or whether we're more seasoned, we're like, you know what, I want to be remembered as uh, there's certain things, and there's certain things we don't want to be known for. Am I right? I don't want to be remembered as this, you know, whatever your old self was, uh, but we have these things, what we want to be known for. If somebody were to ask you that question, what would your answer be? You know, don't answer it right now, but uh, I can tell you as a dad... I love my kids, and I want my kids to say, man, my dad was always there for us. He supported us. He was this. And uh, to my wife, I want to be known, I want to be known by her as a great husband that always loved her, that always cared for her, that always put her first. Uh, to you guys, and maybe those of you that are online, uh, I want to be known as a pastor that was there for you. They gave you these wonderful, because I see these awesome one-liners on social media that people quote. How many of you have seen that? I want, like, I want to see, oh, man, our pastor said this. It was so inspiring and so deep, right? I'm just kidding. I don't have to have that. But uh, I'm not, like, in a competition to be the most amazing, dynamic pastor, preacher ever. Uh, there's a lot of those that are online. But simply, I want to be known as somebody that loved God and loved people, yeah. right? If that, that is enough right there, right? And a lot of times the things we want to be known for, how many of you know we post things like that on social media, right? We want people to know this. So this past week I posted this on my Facebook account and on Instagram. Those of you that don't know, this is my granddaughter and grandson, Abby and Levi, and they know me as Pop Pop. So uh, everybody say it, Pop Pop. There you go. So I want to be known by them as like, man, that is the best grandparent I've ever had. He was so fun, he, you know, and taught me such wisdom. I got such wisdom from him, right? And donuts, yes, they get, that's my Sunday morning greeting. Pop up, you have donuts? So uh, I hope they won't be 30 years old still asking that. So, so the question is, what do you want to be known for? And, and, and not only that question right there, how about this one? What do you do when you realize you are not measuring up to what you want? How many of you know that there's one thing I want to be known here, uh, but this is the reality because I'm probably failing in some aspect of what I want to be known for. Am I right? Don't, you don't have to raise your hand or anything online, but this is what a lot of us do when we feel like we're not measuring up is that we start pretending to other people, right? We start making excuses of why we're not. And, and what we're actually doing is beginning to manage our image of what other people see. We only allow them to see what we want them to see. We've got this masquerade up there in front. And so, oh, oh you know, and people see you, then just shallow conversation. It's like, oh man, that person really loves God. He's amazing. He's all of that. But that's because that's all we're managing this image here, right? We're putting it out there and it's not really who we are. So the problem with, with managing your image, it makes us imaginary. 
right? You're not really who you're putting yourself out there to be. It's just an image, and it's not really me. It's the imaginary me, right? How many of you, I, I thank God that Pastor Colleen and I got married way before online websites, which are fine, but how many of you know a lot of people actually lie on those profiles, right? I know what they, they simply just put out what they want you to know, uh, see, but then all of a sudden when you actually get to meet them, you know, you get what catfish. Yeah, I guess that's one of the terms, right? If you don't know what that is, then you're too old, right? No, I'm just kidding. So, uh, it's, it's putting, what do you mean, right? Uh, it's putting an image out there and all of a sudden you get to really know them, right? I mean, like you've all probably done this. I know I have. You meet somebody and it's like, wow, you know what? That was a, that, what a great person. And then after a while you get to know them. You're like, oh, wow. You know, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Like maybe there was somebody you really respected, right? See, some of you guys, you know what I'm talking about, right? Somebody, man, you know what, that person, so, and you get to meet them, and then eventually, after you meet them, you realize, you know what, they're not all that, right? They're not what, and I, and we were kind of laughing about this with uh, Randy, our church admin here, uh, four years ago when we got to this church, you know, he, we met him, he met us in the interview, and, and probably nobody else in the church knows us more than Randy, because he works with us every day. He knows Timothy, he knows me, he knows Pastor Colleen, and we know him, and, uh, and I didn't ask him about this, we were joking about it, but uh, he has a, probably a different opinion of us than he used to, and hopefully, there he is coming in right now. Everybody look at Rant, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you have, so, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but how many of you know, the more and the closer you get to people, the more you actually know them. You see, here's what kind of managing... Uh, your image is you put something out there that's not really real. And I borrowed one of Pastor Colleen's uh, puppets here. Yeah, an old one. This was, this was Memory Monster. He used to do memory contests with her. Been around since Colorado, I think. Oh, before that. So, so this is kind of us with ourselves. We're putting ourselves out there. Hey, how you doing? You know what? Hallelujah. Praise God. God is so good. And you know what? I'm putting this image out here, but the real me is where? Right here, right? If I had a puppet screen, you wouldn't even see me, right? I'd have it up here. And that's kind of how a lot of times we, we, we're putting this image. We don't want anybody to really know who we are because if they got to know who we really are, then they may not like us, right? They may not like us. And, uh, uh, and it's not even real. Listen, if I had another puppet, I could have done this because this is how a lot of relationships are. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm putting the fake me, somebody else has got the imaginary them, and they're having conversation going back and forth, and the rest of us are kind of hiding back there, right? It's like, I don't really know them, they don't know me, we just keep it out there. And, and the problem with that is that the moment you start pretending, guess what? We stop improving on our areas in our life that need to grow, Right? Why is that? Because we're spending all of our time and energy keeping this image out here that we don't really have time to really work on who we really are. All right? We just, we just don't have the time. All of my energy is spent doing that. And can I just say, as a pastor or if you're a spiritual leader, uh, it can be the worst because we live with this constant pressure to have it all together all the time. And I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I don't always have it all together. We knew that, right? Some of you guys knew that. But here's the thing. As a pastor, no matter what day of the week and people see you in the community, how many of you know they have an expectation? You better have it all together, right? You better make sure you've got that expectation up there uh, because we expect you to live a certain way. And, And let's be honest. Some of you guys, and I'm maybe not here, but some people... At other churches, they leave the church and their language goes from hallelujah, bless God, I am blessed to words that I'm not going to repeat right now. How many of you know, and I need to remember as a Christian, I'm a Christian all the time. I don't need to be putting an image out there, but how many of you want me to live my life in such a way that when I actually preach and teach that there's actually some integrity behind it? 
right? <laughs> you want to know that I'm actually doing it and not just saying it, uh, because here's the reality. None of you guys want to hear me come up on stage and say, hey, listen, I'm doing a, uh, a message on the fruit of self-control, which I did a few weeks ago. But before I do, I just want to thank Bill for uh, picking me up at the bar last night, so I made sure I got on the way home safe. Does anybody want to hear that? Like, oh, oh, okay, well, that's interesting. Or, or for me to say, hey, listen, I'm make, starting a new series, make the most of your marriage. And by the way, I just want to say, uh, Pastor Colleen told me that she's going to give me one more chance. <laughs> like, do I want to hear from this guy? He's down to the last straw. I don't know. Here's the thing. You want to know that your pastors have it all together so that I can stand up here and tell you how to get it all together. Right? That's kind of the pastor's world. But how many of you know every one of you have your own version of that? Right? Whether a parent, whether you're at work, a neighbor, marriage, uh, we all live with this pressure of trying to be somebody that we're not always. And the problem, like I said, this is all of us. All of us live with this gap of what we want to be known for and who we really are. Right? There, there's that gap that most of us kind of live within that circle. And, and what happens when you're in that gap, it's like, oh, you know what? Uh, what? You know, when I'm home, nobody else is around. I can be me. But once I step out, I got to start pretending. I got to start acting like it's good. right. I got, maybe I have to make an excuse for, oh, man, you know what? I lost it, but this, that, and the other thing. And we start making excuses, or we hide, or we just outright lie. We just don't tell the truth at all. And how many of you know one of the most probably happens the most is in church, right? Oh, I'm going to church. I better put on my church face, right? Better put on my church mask, right? And by the way, I just want to tell you that all of you guys look amazing. I was out talking with everybody. I didn't hear any cursing going on. Nobody looked like you stumbled in here with a hangover or uh, uh, all of that because how many of you know we all know how to act? We all know how to act right. Didn't you, didn't you tell your kids or maybe your parents told you when you went into a certain place, hey, listen, you better act right. <laughs> right? You better act right. You better not do what you normally do at home. And, and then people meet you and then they meet your kids and your kid, then they're like, oh, man, your kids act so good. And you're right. Exactly. There, it's an act. <laughs> it's not real. It's an illusion of what's going on here. Right? And uh, that's why we call it acting. Because we all know how to do it. We all need know how to pretend to be something that we're not when we're in the different situations. Because we're, like I said, we're afraid. If people really know who I am, then people aren't going to like me. We have that feeling that it's there. And, and listen, if you think about it, if people don't really know what you're really like, then they don't really like you. Right? They're liking the pretend version of you. They're liking the image that you put out there, and they don't really like you. They're just liking that. And I, and I, let me, I do want to put this caution in here uh, because I am saying, don't, I'm not saying, hey, listen, when you go out, just burp and scratch and do everything that you do at home. Okay? How many of you know there are social norms and things that, that, that we have to operate in, right? If you want to keep your job, if you want to keep your friends, uh, so there are social uh, expectations that are not a bad thing. So I'm not saying throw all that stuff out, but I, <laughs> but I am saying the problem is, is if I'm never actually authentic with anybody ever, then all of the relationships that I have are really superficial. Nobody really knows who you are and you don't really know who they are. And that keeps all your relationships very shallow very shallow. And, and listen, if there's, if there's never change in your, if you never intentionally allow yourself to be known by somebody else, then you're going to be predisposed to be the great pretender. Now, how many of you guys remember, whoops, the, uh, the song by the platters, right? I know, I know some of you guys could sing it, right? And, uh, I know Neil and Dennis, you guys could probably do a great job on that. Uh, but it was a good song. And, but I, and I thought about this as I was thinking about this message, and I started looking at the words. I'm going to spare you. I'm not going to sing it, but I'm going to read them. But some of you guys are going to go home after this sermon and listen to it, right? So uh, it starts out, yes, I'm the great pretender, pretending that I'm doing well. 
My need is such, I pretend too much, I'm lonely, but no one can tell. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you know that's a lot of people in our world? And he goes on again, I'm the great pretender, adrift in a world of my own. I play the game, but to my real shame, you've left me to dream all alone. Then he says, too real is this feeling of make-believe, too real when I feel what my heart can't conceal. And he says, yes, I'm the great pretender, just laughing and gay like a clown. Now, just so you know, that's an older definition of gay there. So, uh, yes, I seem to be what I'm not, you see, and I'm wearing my heart like a crown, pretending that you're still around. Now, how many of you wanted me to sing that? Sorry. <laughs> see, several hands. It's not going to happen. So, uh, so this song was written in 1955, 67 years ago. And how many of you know that was before social media? All right, social media has helped us pretend even more. Am I right? Oh, I'm just putting, I'm putting that out there. Whoa, you're amazing. You've got a wonderful family. You never have any problems. Here's the thing. 32 years after the Platters put that out, a man by the name of Freddie Mercury, who knows who that is? He uh, released this song again in 1987, which happened to be the exact same year that he was diagnosed with AIDS. And he never told anybody about this diagnosis until the day before he died, four years later. He lived with this disease, and he was dying slowly, not letting. And so, uh, I don't know, I'm just assuming, I wonder why he was attracted to re-release this song. Because he lived a life of pretend, which so many of us do. And here's the reality, until we embrace who we are, who we really are, with somebody, somewhere, then we're never really going to get to where we want and need to be, right? Because we're putting on this facade that is out there. And while we really want to be known for something, how many of you know the reality is that you just need to be known by someones, right? We need other people in our life because, uh, bottom line, we all need a relationship, Every one of us, uh, you may, a, a place where you can come in and drop the pretense, right? You can stop pretending, stop manufacturing your cool, right? Because, oh man, I'm just so cool, man. Look at his shades, look at all of that. And it's like, all of that is a facade. You know, the people that are the most confident in the world are sometimes the most insecure, right? We're putting this out there. Oh man, I'm calm. Oh man, he's got it all together. And then here, I love this one right here on social media. We can present a wrinkle free version of ourselves. <laughs> right? If you know how to do Instagram and Photoshop just right, it's like, wow, you're how old? And man, there's not a wrinkle on you. That's amazing. We need places where we don't have to fear criticism. That's a real thing, isn't it? Being judged, being dismissed because maybe you did actually let somebody know who you are, right? And then they, you felt like they judged you. And that is the gap when we have that gap between that. And listen, I can prove that we really want places where we can be real. Because if you happen to find a spot and a place where people are real with you, and listen, there's healthy and there's unhealthy places where you can just be you. Am I right? You can get around a bunch of knuckleheads, and they're all knuckleheads, you're a knucklehead, and uh, that's not good for you, okay? You need a healthy place, but when you do find something like that where you feel that, we make statements like this. We're like, man, those people are real, all right? Those people, man, I can just be real with them. I can just be uh, myself there and accept it. Listen, we are drawn to that. Am I right? We're drawn to that. And, and, and when you get in those environments and people are saying that, here's the reality. Those may be the first people that whom you were real with. Right? Where did that happen? And listen, once you get real, once you uh, actually feel like you're getting known, doesn't that feel good? Doesn't that like, like, I believe that that's a part of what it really means to be human. I believe that God uh, God's image is in us because God is all about knowing, isn't he? God doesn't want anybody faking it. He doesn't want anybody uh, uh, pretending. And, and I was thinking of this verse out of Matthew 7 where, uh, where he first says, he goes, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he says this, you know, he says this in the uh, 23, he goes, I will reply, I never knew you. Can I tell you, God wants to actually know us. 
And, and I, I always found this funny because sometimes we think we can fool God. Right? Oh, oh Lord, you're so, you know, and we're, we're, we're faking it even with God. But here's the thing, and my sermon's only got two points and a whole bunch of other talking, so uh, here's my two points. To be actually known, I need to be real with God. I got to come clean with God and say, God, I, I need you. Uh, I can't fool you. If I'm ever going to make progress in my life and be real and authentic, it starts first with God. I got to come before him. The second one is that I need to be real with others. I got to find somebody that I can be transparency. How many of you know transparency is healthy? Right? If you think about some of the groups that uh, uh, exist, if you've had addictions, whether it's AA, NA, Celebrate Recovery, I couldn't think of what it was. Whatever it is, the reality is somebody first walks into one of those groups, their guard is up. I'm not telling nobody nothing. Right? I'm coming in. I don't, I'm here, but I don't want to be here. Uh, but what happens is all of a sudden you start hearing somebody tell their story. They're being real. You hear somebody else over here telling their story. They're being real. And, and eventually you start, you know, dropping that guard just a little bit. Just a little bit, right? And, and slowly as it goes down, you're able to actually be real with everybody else. And listen, that's healthy. That's a good thing. You might actually start dealing with some of the issues in your life that you never wanted anybody to see. But you got to get to that place. And listen, you may not have uh, an addiction to drugs or alcohol or tobacco or whatever it is, but you might have an addiction to image management. Oh, i got to put it out there. Now, again, some of that's healthy, but uh, the society standards and stuff... But we have to be careful that our whole life is not walking in that, not being the great pretender, right? The fact is, I believe that the church should be a uh, pretend-free zone. At least we should have places, right? We should have places where you can do that, where we can do some of the things that Scripture tells us to out of the book of James, where he says, therefore, confess your sins to each other. Now, how many of you don't like reading that verse? Come on, let's be honest. Most of us are like, nope, not going to do that. Scratch that one off the list. I'm not telling anybody. I'll confess my sins to God. That's all I need to do. And uh, uh, because if, some, if I actually confessed one of my struggles to somebody, then guess what I'm doing? I'm revealing the real me. And again, what if they don't like me? What if they, what if they judge me? What if they reject me? And, and James is basically saying, listen, this is what the church is supposed to be like. This is how it's supposed to be. And he doesn't stop there. He goes, confess your sins to each other and, let's all say it, pray for each other so that you may be healed. Right? We need to pray for each other. And, and, you know, I've always looked at this healing. This may mean a physical healing. Uh, That could be that. But how many of you know it may be just a spiritual healing that takes place? I know we always think about the physical first, but do you realize you can be 100% physically fit, healthy, muscles bulging everywhere, six-pack going on, and, uh, and be a complete spiritual wreck, right? And so you need spiritual healing, and that's what this promises, because sin has broken all of us. And I know, even after saying that, some of you may still be saying, nope, I'm still just going to confess my sins to God and keep pretending. Just going to keep pretending. So my challenge is, when was the last time that you were honest with somebody else about one of your struggles or fear or insecurity, right? And then you were honest, the other person stopped and said, hey, listen, let's pray. Let me pray for you. Let me, let me lift you up in prayer uh, for that. And listen, if you've never had that experience, I hope you have one soon. Because that's really what it's all about. Not just coming, oh yeah, I go to church, I do that. No, it's about developing real relationships. And I know, can I say, when I look around this room, I don't know who, but I can be sure that some of you guys are carrying heavy burdens and uh, pretending that everything is great. Right? You're carrying something. I don't know what you're carrying. You don't know what I'm carrying. If we never talk to each other, if we keep everything superficial, it's going on and, and we're going to miss that. And this is, uh, this is kind of what the church should be doing right here. The prayer, he goes on to say, the prayers of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Right? When I'm praying, when you, we're confessing and we're sharing our burdens, then we're praying and we're being healed. There's power in that prayer. 
There's power. I like out of the New Living Translation. It says the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Results? Am I thinking about desserts already? No, sorry. Results, right? So those prayers are actually powerful. And listen, we resist it. We resist those kind of prayers because we don't want to be known. We don't want people to really get into our stuff. And we say things like this. That's none of their business. Right? That didn't, that's none of their business. I've got my issues. I just go with God. But I want to tell you, God's going to say, yes, it is their business. Because how many of you know we are called the body of Christ? Amen. Right? Anybody have back pain before? Or any kind of pain that was like just debilitating in your body? Right? How many of you like, like, okay, if it's a back pain, how many of you know the rest of your body can't just ignore that? Like, well, my hand is good, you know. <laughs> What's wrong with you, back, you know? Here, let me pull my puppet out. What's wrong with you? I, I hope you get better, but I'm doing great. <laughs> I am blessed. You know, if you've got, there goes that puppet. So uh, <laughs> if you've got a pain in your physical body, the rest of your body is going to do whatever it can to alleviate that pain. Right? Well, I'm going to push myself up. I'm not, you know, not going to go bebopping down the stairs super fast. I'm going to take it slow. I'm going to hang on to those handrails. Right? The rest of your body is going to do whatever it takes to make sure that that pain is alleviated in your back and not add to it. That's how the body of Christ should be. Somebody's in pain? Well, it's not me, you know. Bummer for you. Wow, sounds like a real... You know, I'm going to go get me a donut. All right? <laughs> Go get me it. I'm out of here, right? No, it is our business as the body of Christ to actually care about other people because we are called to not just the body of Christ, we're called to function as a body. We're called to function that. Listen, there are no Superman Christians. There we go. I got this. I don't need anybody else. You know what? I, just me and God, right? I hear people say things like this. I don't need organized religion. I, that always cracks me up because I always think, do you prefer disorganized? <laughs> Maybe, you know what? Or it's just me and God. I don't need anybody else. I just, just me and God. Let, can I just tell you, it doesn't really work out well that way. It really doesn't because spiritual development, physical, spiritual, emotional health happens when the context of being transparent with other believers. It's never just you and God. It requires you being accessible with other followers of Jesus. That's why, we, and, and it realize, it starts with you realizing it's not just about me, right? It's not just about me. And listen, I started a men's Bible study back in our church in Chico years and years ago because I knew that I, I didn't just like, oh man, I don't know what to do. Let's just start something. No, I knew I needed real relationship. And so when we came here to Freedom Church, I started one here and because uh, I needed a place where people could know me more than just being their pastor, where I could develop relationship and they could just know me as a brother in Christ. Not just having, not, oh, you're the pastor, you know. And, and let's say, that's why, we, that's why we started doing our small groups, our life groups, right? Because we needed places where people could come and actually get to know each other. And listen, I know what small groups, I know what life groups are like. You first come, everybody's got their guard up. I don't know that person and I don't know that person. I've seen them in church, but I don't really know them. Uh, but the longer that you go and you get to know each other, it's just like those other small groups. You start realizing and you start lowering your guard and you start actually developing a, uh, a pretend-free zone. I can be the real me. Thursday night prayer, listen, some of you guys have come to that. That's kind of the same atmosphere. Yes, we're coming and we're praying, but at the same time, we're sharing our burdens and we're praying over those and we're caring about each other. That's why we started our Wednesday family night is to give another opportunity. And listen, an opportunity for our kids and our teenagers to begin to develop a place where they can have relationship. Because right now, all their relationships are basically, you know, at school or wherever that is. But they need a place where they can see other kids their age and, and, and be encouraged by that. So it's so important. Uh, Hebrews 10.24 says this, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Now, I, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand what the word spur 
means, right? If you've ever ridden a horse, we understand that. Uh, But the word itself, it does mean encouragement, but it's a little bit different kind of encouragement. It's encouragement, a causing of something by spurring or stirring up. Anybody ever allow someone to get you stirred up? Right? Watch the news this week. Right? Oh, man, I'm all stirred up, right? So here's the thing. This word, it's not like this. That can be an encouragement. Hey, you're doing a good job. Good job. Keep it up, right? Now, that can be encouraging, but this word is more like this right here. You got somebody down there with you, and you feel like, man, I can't give any more. Like, come on, you can do 10 more, right? You got this. Push it. Push it. You can do it, right? That's kind of what that encouragement is talking about there, and, and, and the better definition of it than like, hey, good job. Good job. You know, oh man, you did it. You're amazing. You're wonderful. No, it's, a, and we're not always comfortable doing this to one another. Am I right? Because we don't like to be spurred. And, and it's like, how do I do that? How do I do that to somebody? Else? We've got to be pushed out of our comfort zone. Am I right? Because right. I don't always want to get out of my comfort zone. I mean, if you've got a comfortable lazy boy recliner, <laughs> I just want to stay in that. And it's like, no, you need to get up and you've got to actually run and exercise, right? Oh, but it's so comfortable right here. So it's true in our health, but it's true in our spiritual lives. We've got to be pushed out. And one thing that I have found out is that if we don't get out of our comfort zone, sometimes there is these little things called trials and difficulties that come into our life. And they're actually beneficial. We may not like them. I don't like them. But they push us out of our comfort zone and into God. All right? They call us to cry out to Him. So he says... Consider how we may spur one another to love good deeds. And then verse 25, And let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. So how many of you know that habit's been going on a long time? It is our nature to just want to isolate. Right? It's our nature just to let me just mind my business, and if I need anybody, I'll give them a call. Right? If I need anybody, but here's the thing, if you don't have relationship with anybody, you've got nobody to call. I mean, like, that's, that's a no-brainer right there. Uh, can I tell you, after the pandemic hit, well, before, church, regular church attendance was already going down. After the pandemic, here's the current statistic for all Protestant churches. If somebody comes one week out of every seven, they consider themselves a regular attender. Uh, with uh, Assemblies of God Church, which we are, the, it's a little bit better. It's if they come, I don't know how you come up with this statistic, 1.62 times out of the month. So that's basically uh, three times out of an uh, eight-week period if they're there. And that's kind of an average that is going on. And listen, you don't have to be, come to church to be a Christian, do you? No, you don't have to. That's not a requirement. But can I tell you, if you're not here then you're not going to get spurred, and God isn't going to use you to spur anybody else on. See, we come not just for like, what can you do for me? We come because maybe God wants to use you to help somebody else out, right? To be there to be an encouragement for uh, somebody else. And the writer of Hebrews is basically expressing how community is essential. It's not just optional. Oh, yeah, maybe I can go, maybe I'm not. Uh, This is where you get the ABCs of community, where you have accountability, you have belonging, and you have care. That's what it's supposed to be. We should have accountability amongst each other. We should have a place where we feel like, I belong here, right? I feel like I can connect here and that people will actually care about me. See, this is important because, like I said, COVID, many have switched to online only, And what we need to do, listen, you can watch some of the best preachers online, am I right? You can listen to some of the best worship online, right? But can I tell you that you're consuming a lot of content, but content consumption is not a substitute for community. It's not a substitute for having community. Content consumption, you know what that does? It makes you smarter, but it's not going to change your life. It's not going to change your life. We know this because we do consume a lot of content, am I right? I try to put out a lot of content, but it's not going to make your life better. If it did, then uh, how many of you know we would all have the best marriage? Because there's a lot of marriage books out there, am I right? And all I got to do is read the book. I just consumed a lot of content. Now I'm going to have the best marriage, right? Or you would have the best obedient kids, 
right? You wouldn't have to tell them to act right because they would naturally be right. Because they got, how many parenting books? Anybody ever read a parenting book and your kid was still a mess after that? Right? See? Point done right there. Content is not going to fix everything. We actually need what the... And anytime we do substitute content for community, we're missing what the benefits of community really is about. Because if you read the New Testament, there are numerous... I don't remember how many one another's that we're supposed to do in Scripture. Things that content can't do for us. Let's go back to Hebrews 10.25. Let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us do what? Encourage one another. It's in the context of community that we begin to encourage one another. One another's, can I just say this, are foundational to being a growing, healthy follower of Christ. you got to have that. Uh, it's places where we can do this out of Galatians 6. Brothers, if somebody is caught in a sin, now let me stop there. What is it a lot of people do when someone's caught in a sin? Man, did you hear what so-and-so did? Man, I can't believe they did that again, right? Man, they'll just never get their life act together, right? What is up with it? See, that's kind of what, we, we, what people do. Not anyone in this church, but other churches, right? So, uh, <laughs> but here's the thing. If somebody's caught in a sin, it says, you who are spiritual should do what? Restore, Restore them, right? We help people. We get them up. We get them going in a good direction, Amen. And, uh, and then he goes on to say this in verse 2, to carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Right? We're supposed to carry. It, it, this is what Christians should do, because if we're still pretending, if we're still managing our image, uh, then, then I don't let anybody know my burden, and, and they don't know yours. And you know what? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little scenario here. Like, we do a greeting time. Did you guys greet each other at that one point? So I'm going to pretend that we just did a greeting time at church, and here's Jr. and I'm like, hey, Jr. how are you doing? Oh, I'm great. I'm great. Oh, nice good to, to see you. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad to be here. It's great. Good seeing you, man. Did you have a good week? Oh, yeah, it was a great week. Awesome, yeah, man. That's a, everything's wonderful. And, and, and see, what you guys don't see is some of you over here, he's carrying a burden with him. And we're just like, oh, good, man. Everything's great. Everything's wonderful. Man, I'm glad to hear that, Jr. I hope you have a good week. And we walk away. And guess what? The people walked in with their burden, and they walked right back out with it. Nobody got up underneath and said, oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that you're struggling. Can we pray? Can we take that to the Lord together? Listen, I may not have an answer for somebody's issue, but I can pray. Because the Scripture says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And when we begin to pray one another, then what we're actually doing is fulfilling the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Isn't that an interesting? What's the law? What, what is that? The law of Christ is to love one another. How do I love one another? I find out, and, and if they're carrying something, I want to help them. I don't want Jr. to walk out of here with that big burden all by himself. Uh, if two or three are carrying that, how many of you know it gets a little bit easier? Right? You may not have solved the solution or figured it out, but it's like you've taken it to the one that is, that knows how to. Amen? Do you realize this is what really changes communities? Right? This, is a, this is what changed the entire Roman Empire when it was anti-Christian to beginning to accept it is by the church loving one another and beginning to uh, carry other people's burden. And I know some of you may be disappointed after the elections this last week and, and like, oh man, what in the world's our country coming to? But I want to tell you, we're not going to change it by putting somebody in office. We're going to change it by demonstrating the love of Christ. Amen? When the church begins to carry each other's burdens and somebody else comes in, it's like, wow, maybe this is a safe place. Maybe this is a place where I can get connected and feel like I belong. And, and, and you see, there are so many Christians that miss this. They miss this point of being a follower of Christ. That, that, and the reality is, if you're not helping carry somebody else's burden and, uh, and, and they're not allowing you to know about their burden, then we're missing what uh, an essential aspect of being a follower of Christ. Because it's in community that we need to realize, number one, 
How many of you know God accepts us where we are? Right? You don't have, oh man, I got to get all fixed up before I go to church. Right? I got to put my church face on. I got to get my act together before. God takes us no matter how messy we are. You may think, man, I'm a mess. I'm a super mess. Who cares? God accepts you as a super mess, right? But here's another thing about it. God loves us too much to leave us that way. Amen? He loves us. We all come broken, but God wants to prepare us and give us a whole new life. Amen? uh, You may have come in isolated, but God wants to give you a family. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's what the local church should look like, us helping each other. Because when we have places where you don't have to pretend, where you can be authentic, and you be, that's when you will actually begin to change and transform. That's when your relationships begin to really transform. Transformation always happens in community, not in isolation. Isolation is where we, we, we're comfortable, but it's in community. And Bill, if you could come up, I wanted to ask him. Some of you guys know Bill's story, some of you don't. But I want to tell you this before, as he's coming up. Uh, you've never heard a story of real transformation that doesn't involve other people. Right. Nobody does it all on their own. So I think it's on. Maybe you could just tell a real brief synopsis. What was your life like before? Was it 55? Yeah, 54. 54, 55. Yeah. What, what was your life? Did you know the Lord at all? No, not at all. Um, I mean, I knew of the Lord, but I wasn't, I didn't have a relationship. Yeah. Nothing like that. So circumstances happened in his life. We don't have to get into all of that detail. Uh, but what, what, what were there people that were in your life that helped you become a follower of Christ and get strong there? Oh, yes, definitely. Um, I was in a, a residential recovery facility that was uh, for drug addicts, and uh, it was faith-based. It was Assemblies of God. And uh, our minister there, Minister Tim, was very influential in my life. He uh, actually brought me to the Lord. We said the sinner's prayer when I was actually running away from this place uh, because I, I needed to get drugs. So I, but I came back, and he was very essential. Pastor Bobby, who was our pastor here for years, definitely was a big influence in my life. Uh, my mother-in-law, Mary Ann, she was awesome. Treated me like I was just anybody instead of the person that I was. Yeah. And, of course, my wife, Beth, she was always there for me. So, And do you think that you would have turned your life around if none of those people were in your life? No, no. Yeah. I, would have never, I, I wasn't able to turn my life around by myself. I needed God and Jesus to do it for me. And then the people that were there to back them up. Amen. You know, to give me the, the strength to say no to the drugs and that lifestyle. So, and he's been following the Lord now. How many years have you been? A- uh, 2007 is when I was saved. Yeah. So, yeah. yes, praise the Lord. Amen. And, and if you know Bill now, Bill and Beth, I remember we've been here for four years, and he started telling me his story. Beth started, I'm like, what? You know what? I can't even see the, the whoever it was that you used to be. God is totally transformed. But like I said, and I could have picked out so many different people's story. Transformation does not happen in isolation. It happens in community. That's, we need each other. People actually, let me just say this, people need you to help them to change. And you need other people to help you become a better version of who you are in Christ. God accepts us, yes, but how many of you know he has an agenda? His agenda in your life is transformation. That's the same thing with the church. Yes, we accept everybody, but there is an agenda. We want to see you become a follower of Christ 100%. Amen? Amen. And for the most part, I want to say, for the most part, that doesn't really happen in a main service. I know, you, you know, you come here, you can get challenged. I hope you do get challenged. But the reality is a lot of that happens in the context of a small group. With us looking at each other, talking with one another. And, and we need those circles of friends in order to really press in and grow in Christ. Otherwise, we can be very stunted in our growth. Doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. Doesn't mean that you don't love the Lord. But, but I want to challenge you that, that to find a place where you can really get connected with other people. Because sometimes the answer for the problem that you're going through, and I know it's like, oh man, I just got to have more faith. I just got to believe more. I just need to get into God's word more. Uh, you may need all of that, but how many of you know it may not be more faith. You just might need more people, 
right? You might just need some more people that will be around you that will get under that rock that you're carrying, that burden that you're carrying, and say, hey, listen, let's do this together. Let's do this together. Let's do life together. That's why we call our small groups life groups, right? Because we want to do life together, and we want to see life. And listen, if you've got kids, how many of you know you need a partner in that? Right? Uh, the church will reinforce the things that you're already teaching your kids. And so you're not the only voice speaking into them. You shouldn't be the only voice uh, speaking into them. You need reinforcements, right? That's why it's important to have them here on a regular basis. It's like they've got to develop those friendships with one another. Amen? So why we, like I said, why we started our Wednesday night service. It's not because we were so bored we didn't have anything to do. Uh, I don't know if you realize that doing a Wednesday night service is a lot more work for us. There's a lot more going in. It's like, oh, man, I got to do it. We got to get a whole new service. Timothy's got to get worship, uh, getting kids ministry, doing all of that stuff. Uh, we're all busy. But the important thing is, is like, hey, listen, can we provide an opportunity where we can connect with one another? And, and you're like, we've all got stuff going on. Do we, and who's not busy in life? You got time on your hands, right? We're all busy, but I believe every time we come and get connected, it's like these little small deposits that make a difference over time. It makes a difference over time in your kids, in your life. And I believe this. I believe this wholeheartedly that community and relationships is such a pivotal key to being a healthy, growing follower in Christ. It's about coming together. Listen, it's hard to turn a child around when they're like, you know, a junior and senior year, and, and this has happened. You know what? I broke my kids. Church wasn't important to us. We kind of hit and miss. Now he's a mess. Can you fix him? Can you put him back together like your kid is Humpty Dumpty or something like that, right? Uh, listen, God can do that, but I want to tell you it's a lot easier to build a healthy lifestyle than it is to, to, to kind of break one down that's messed up and reform it. And so the younger you can get kids in relationship with the Lord, uh, the better it is. Amen. So as a church, we do believe, we believe in acceptance. We accept people, right? I don't care what's your lifestyle. I don't care what's your background. But our view is that we want to see improvement. Amen. We want to help walk with you. Not like, hey, man, get your act together. Because again, it's not about acting. It's like, hey, listen, let's get there together. Let's walk this road together. And like I said, it'd be very easy for us just to focus on, oh, you know what, let's just do the one service. No, we want to create opportunity. And I want to say we can't force or manufacture authentic relationships. Wouldn't that be amazing? You need to be real and you need to be real. You know, you can't force any of that. I can't force people to be transparent. Uh, but I'll tell you as a church, what we do know how to do is set the table. Right? We know how to set the table for you to come, for your kids to come, and engage in a group life. Engage with other people. And, and I would encourage you to try it. Give it a shot. I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen? You develop a relationship that might be a lifelong friendship. That might be somebody that, that, that will walk with you all the way until you go to see eternity. Somebody that you'll be able to build such a relationship with that when you are going through a crisis, you actually have somebody to call. And they'll be there. They'll pray with you. They're not like, oh, you know what? Oh, I see who's calling. You know what? Well, I kind of know them, but I'm not answering it right now. Don't tell me you haven't done that. <laughs> Do I want to talk to them right now? Listen, when you build authentic relationships, when they call, it's like, oh, man, I got to answer. They may be going through something, right? They may be going through something, and I want to, I want to pray. So my challenge is I know the culture. Protect your image. Protect your image, right? But Jesus is inviting us to come in and do life together with him and with others. And so, yes. Come on up. Well, if people online are going to hear you, you do. Well, you can stay right there, but you're going to use a mic. <laughs> um, is it on? Yeah. Can you hear me? No, last week, I came in here, like Pastor just said, I, I was putting on a face because I was really down last week down to a point where I thought I don't want to go to church today but when I feel like that I get up and I put my clothes on and I come to church I was really down and I thought I got this face on nobody's going to know it mm. there's several people in this room 
He came to me and looked at me and said, what's wrong? And I told him what was wrong. Because this community the pastor's talking about is real. It's very real. These people gathered around me and prayed. And I felt so much better. I felt that burden being lifted as we were praying. And of course, as the day progressed, we had a great time last weekend. And when I left here, I was a completely different person. I was a person that I feel like I normally am. Very happy. I have a lot of reasons to be happy in my life. But last week was just really tough Mm. for me. But the community here in this room helped me through that. So when pastor's saying we need community, to those of you out there online, come to church, brother, sister. We need community. We need each other for prayer, for love, just to shake somebody's hand and make sure that they're doing okay today. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing that. That was not planned, but that couldn't have uh, summarized it even in better. So we're not here to build an organization. We're here to build a family. Amen. That's what God wants to do in our lives. So uh, we're going we're gonna to give you an opportunity. Maybe you're here and you came in with a burden. Uh, JR, leave the rock there. You're not taking it with you. So, uh, but we got, uh, we got a couple of our prayer teams. If you guys could come up. Delton and Janet, I know... Uh, Doris, I don't know if you would mind coming up for prayer, to pray, Uh, but if you're here today and you carried something in, and you're like, oh man, I don't know who I can trust, I want to tell you, uh, if you don't know the people that are up here, I want to tell you, you can trust each one of them. They're not going to like come and tell, oh pastor, guess what they're doing, you know? (laughs) They're not going to tell anybody else. If you, can I have everybody stand? If you're carrying a heavy burden... Listen, this may be the first step. I want you to feel free, to, and don't worry, nobody's going to be trying in the back like, man, I wonder what they're going through. I wonder what their stone is, right? Don't even worry about that. Just uh, come up. If you need prayer, uh, one of these people up here will pray for you, and uh, we want to help lift that off of you. But guess what? If you never let anybody know, you're going to walk right out that door with that same rock. You're going to walk out with that burden. God doesn't want that. We don't want that. So I believe it's time for us to walk in some freedom. Amen? Amen. Let's, uh, let's uh, Pastor Timothy leads us. If you need prayer, come on up.